Let, let's say they've been uh, different questions to what I've been asked before, um, <laughs> but I quite like it. I quite like it because like pigeons are scary. Like pigeons are scary. I reckon I could take down the the big duck. <laughs> like of all the phrases, I did not expect to have on the podcast. This is like the toughest question I think I've ever been asked. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, welcome to the Feeder Series podcast. And you can tell that winter is behind us now, can't you? Because even without a Grand Prix weekend with F2 and F3 in support, we still had a full weekend of Feeder Series action. Donington Park saw British F4. Suzuka had Super Formula and Interlagos had F4 Brazil. But for today, we're turning our attention to Imola. I'm your host, Jim Kimberley, and this week saw the Formula Regional European Championship by Alpine slash Frecker and Italian F4 kick off their seasons in style. By my estimations, we had six races, 60 qualifying sessions and approximately 6,000 drivers racing across both championships. And I'm delighted to say we have one of those six million racers joining us today. A double DNF won't be the way you'd want to start your season, but hopefully joining the Food Series podcast is helping you feel much better. Roman Belinsky, how are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. Uh, thank you for having me on here. It's my uh, first podcast, so um, I'm a, I'm very excited. But um, yeah, not the weekend I hoped for, but like you said, it's making me feel a bit better being on here. So uh, <laughs> let's see how it is. <laughs> Of popping your cherry that way and saying <laughs> such flattering remarks, Roman. That's uh, that's the way to do it. So you're going to go far in the podcast world. And also joining me today is a familiar voice to all. It's a host of our sister show, Transfer Weekly, and perhaps one or two of you have heard him commentating on something <laughs> called F3 and Frecker this year. Welcome back to the podcast, though, Chris McCarthy. It's been a while. Hello, I know. I know it's been too long, right? Um, but yes, no, it's really good to be it was really good to be back at the track uh for the Formula Regional European Championship by Alpine. I can say it very fast now after a lot of practice. Uh and see see all the returning drivers like uh, Roman again, uh, and also meet a lot of new ones because yeah, we had seventeen, I think, new drivers, sixteen or seventeen new drivers. So yeah, a lot of new faces to meet, but uh good to see the returning ones as well. That you really enjoyed being there because I know you weren't there for the F3, didn't go out to Bahrain, so getting to the track is amazing. No. And what's better than one Frecker commentator? That's right, two fresh off being on site at Imola to provide Italian commentary is our feeder series Italian F4 editor, Daniele Spadi. And you were doing Italian F4 for feeder series, but you were doing Frecker commentating yep. for... Italy for TV as well an unforgettable weekend I imagine it truly was it was actually like the first time for me at a racetrack not as a fan so it was like a pretty mental experience but yeah it's a really nice environment for me region is always very nice to to watch and to commentate on so yeah I'm also really excited to be back on here I can't I honestly can't wait to hear more about it but before we get started 
If you enjoyed the podcast, please like, comment, and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube, or leave a rating or review if you're listening on Spotify or another podcast platform. And if you happen to be listening on Spotify or watching on YouTube, you can take part in the podcast polls we've been running. Last time, we asked who do you think will drive in Yuki Tsunoda's Alpha Tower seat in 2024. This is off the back of talking about Super Formula and a certain Liam Lawson doing so well. We had a real split between YouTube and Spotify for this one. 49% of voters on YouTube thought that Tsunoda would retain his seat, with 27% thinking it should be Liam Lawson. But on Spotify, a role reversal, as 43% of you thought Lawson should get the nod, and 21% said Tsunoda. And thanks to that, we've lost any chance of getting Ayumu Iwasa ever joining the podcast, as he seemed to be completely snubbed. Thanks for that, guys. But maybe we'll get him one day. Maybe we'll get him one day. This week, in honour of Freca, we of course have to ask who you think the champion will be. You can check out our YouTube channel or scroll down on Spotify to cast your vote, and I'll read out the results in the next episode. And while you're there, if you haven't rated us or subscribed, please take the 10 seconds to do so. It really does help us out. Right, we're going to start with Freca, and most importantly, everyone at Feeder Series would like to wish Adam Fitzgerald a speedy recovery after his injury, and... I'm kind of prefacing this because we've spoken about sausage curbs on the podcast before. And yes, they're a massive problem, but no, we're not going to focus on them this episode because the way that I'll go, we could yeah. go for a few hours. Instead, I'm afraid yeah. we'll have to start with your races, Roman, because it wasn't the ideal way to start your season. Rather than handing you a leading question, why not just talk through your weekend for us? Yeah, I mean, um, I'll, I'll also start a bit before the weekend. Uh, the preseason was looking extremely strong for us. Uh, we made big improvements in my driving and the car since last year. So um, we, we were feeling very confident going into the season. Um, free practice was strong too. And um, it was all looking good going into qualifying and the races. And then unfortunately in Qualifying, that's where the issues started to rise up. And um, yeah, from there, it just seemed no matter what we did, how hard we tried, it wasn't going to be our weekend. Um, it's a shame because we we showed a lot of potential and um, things like this happen. But uh, yeah, I mean, a double DNF is for sure not the way we want to start the season but there's I know Trident did everything they could do I did everything I could do and it was just out of our hands specifically what was the actual issue that you had across the sessions so it was uh related to a gearbox issue mm -hmm. um but we can't uh actually say exactly what it is um I wish we could because then we wouldn't have had the issue uh, for as long as we did. But uh, no, like I said, I'm sure the car's going to be in pieces and they're going to be checking everything. Yeah, well, the next race always rolls around quick. I know that's the way that Freca kind of mm. is. So unfortunate for you. Um, we're going to talk more about, obviously, Freca. And there's loads of audience questions for you as well. So plenty to, to chew on from your side. But Chris... Cass Havercourt aside, the newcomers mm. are proudly sitting mm. atop the championship standings after the first two races. I looked at the championship and we got Martinez Stenshorn, 
Andrea Camantinelli, Nikhil Bora, and Raphael Kamara occupying four of the top five places, if Wikipedia is right at least. Did you expect to see them get up to speed so fast? Um, I'd say with Andrea and Rafa, yes, actually. I thought I thought they would hit the ground running. Uh, just because they've been, you know, they've raced at Imola before and they were so good out in the Middle East as well. They had a, a good run there. Uh Kimi was, of course, uh the champion. Rafa was third in the championship there. So, you know, they're coming into a, a familiar car, and I, I thought they would would get up to speed pretty quickly. Uh, but Martinez, I really do think he was the surprise package uh, of, of the weekend, you know, seventh in Italian F4 last season. He did a few races out in the Middle East, um, but no one really expected him, not even through preseason. It didn't look like he was going to be a driver that would go out and win at the first round. But um, yeah, a real turn of confidence, a real turn of pace. And even the RHGP team boss said to me, you know, he'd, he'd never seen three new drivers all on the podium in the, in the very first race. And um, one of those being a, a rookie, uh, Martinez, the others not classified as rookies because of their Middle East experience. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, it, it was amazing how well he did. Um, yeah, I remember him in karting only you know, a couple of years ago. So he's done so, so well to, to go as quickly as he has. But there were other new faces as well who did really well. I think Nikhil Bora, um, who Roman will know, um, you know, showed that 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 team has a really good pace this season as well. So Trident looked very strong. And that was, yeah, that was another another surprise package for the weekend, definitely. Roman, just a quick question, which I hadn't planned here, but to see Nikhil do so well with his first weekend, does that give you quite a lot of faith that when Trident fix this issue, which they inevitably are going to do before the next race, that you've got the car to get you right to the front? For sure. Um, I mean, I kind of understood the car was pretty much there after uh, pre-season. Um, the car felt very, very good. FP1, FP2, it felt great. And um, we was really looking at fighting at the front, even at the start of uh, Quali 1. We was very competitive. Um, and then, unfortunately, that's where it started to go downhill. But no, he's done a great job. Um He's extremely fast, very intelligent, and um, no, he's a great guy, really great guy. Glad to hear it, and hopefully we'll see another Trident driver joining the podium soon enough. Now, Daniele, I love having a driver and an experienced commentator on, but as I said earlier, I'm most curious to hear from you, because from what we've texted about before, I think this is your first visit to Imola anyway, and you're behind yes. the scenes quite literally all weekend, sending photos from behind the podium, ignoring the racing, because I feel you're doing something that so many of us would love to do, and you only have this experience to journal it for the first time once. How was this weekend for you? I think the first word that comes to mind is hectic. <laughs> uh, I mean, every single day you come in at like 8.30 a.m. and leave no sooner than 9 p.m., at least from where I was standing. So it was really tough, but I loved every second of it, honestly. Um, I think you really need to be like a, a fan first and foremost, because otherwise you're not going to be able to just like continue to stay on top of things from start to finish. One day is tough. Three days is three times as tough. So it's really difficult, but honestly, just working so closely to to everything, to the cars, to the drivers, and just being able to absorb as much information as possible is really, I think, the key when when starting things out. At least that's what I try to do. 
And it was honestly great also to work um, so close to people that have been doing the things I'm starting to do for the past like five, 10, even 20 years. So it's really, it, it was really an eye opener to be completely honest, because for the first time, I just kind of noticed how this world truly works. Because of course, on TV, and even if you have like access to behind the scenes or something like that, you try and under try to understand what's happening. But on the other hand, once you live it, you truly understand what it means to be working behind the scenes. And honestly, it was one of the best experiences so far in my young life. And I hope to be doing it again pretty soon. Just ranks just below your first podcast appearance, right? <laughs> Of yeah. course, yeah. <laughs> tied on, tied with the second one. <laughs> Let's see how it goes before you start saying that. Um, as I said before, Ruben, we've got a lot of audience questions to fire at you. So I'll let you off with this as your only other Freca question for now, because it's your second season, so you have a good idea of what to expect coming up. So now you know how it all works. How do you think you're going to change your approach to 2023 from how it was for 2022? I think uh, my biggest focus is qualifying. And uh, that's where I really lacked last year. My race pace was great. And um, to be honest, my pace in general was was good last year. Um, but I could just never do all the corners great at once mm -hmm. for that qualifying lap. And uh, obviously, you want to qualify first. That's what you've I've got. heard it's advantageous, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that too. I heard that a few times last year. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I've really focused on that. And um, unfortunately, I haven't been able to show that yet this year. But um, I'm sure at Barcelona, uh, I'll be able to do that because it's very, very difficult to overtake in these cars now. Um, it's a lot of dirty air. I mean, we get a bit of help from the push to pass. But uh, apart from that, it's quite difficult. Well, I hope it does work out because if you do start from the front, then you don't have to overtake any cars. It's it's magic how that works out. It's <laughs> I know. Nice. It sounds easy. No? <laughs> it sounds so easy. See, Max Verstappen do it. It's got to be easy. But yeah. we'll, see, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. But for the moment, last Frecker word from you, Chris. Your thoughts on mm. the opening round as a whole. You've obviously spoken about Frecker more than a couple of times. And also, did the safety cars in race two have you burn through all of your slowdown trivia before <laughs> the season even gets started in just one race? I mean, I, I prepared a lot for that reason because, you know, yeah, Frecker is always, always hectic when we get going. You know, we've got a lot of new drivers out there. Big grid of 33. Uh, and everyone knows you look at Formula 2 and Formula 3, we've got 16 drivers in those championships now. So the guys will know what they're there to fight for. And, you know, Roman would be the first to tell you that. So, yeah, I, I mean, overall, though, I think the racing was was very good. Imola's not an easy place to over, overtake at. That's uh, something that many of the drivers, like Roman told me, pushed to pass, seemed to work okay, though. Seemed that you could make some moves. Uh, and overall, I think it was a really competitive race. We had a, a real mix. Kaz uh, and Martinez were the two uh, drivers that stood out as the most consistent, but a lot of drivers 
similar to Roman, really, who had a bit of misfortune that were quick, some that had a good race and a bad race. Uh, so, yeah, we're left with uh, going into Barcelona, definitely with uh, a lot of drivers who uh, are going to be keen to uh, go and get pole position there and some wins as well. But, uh, yeah, I think overall we what we saw was a really, really competitive field and tough to call a winner out of it, really. I don't know how your poll's going to work, to be honest. I think there'll be some low numbers. For, um, but, yeah, it's, it's really hard to call a favourite, uh, in, in all honesty, or... or 10 drivers that could go and win. I'd say Belinsky might do pretty well because I've seen um, <laughs> one or two Polish fans kind of go crazy. Well, <laughs> well, well what I was going to say, it's hard to overtake, but I was uh, saying to Roman yesterday, him and Sammy, it reminded me of watching those those two in karting because they were pushing each other through the pack. It was like watching two Formula Ford drivers uh, and we could see that, you know, they both gained 10 places uh, and I'm sure had some push to pass left. And uh, yeah, it was a shame what happened to, to both of them, really. But um, but yeah, it did show that uh, overtaking with that system is possible. And every new driver I spoke to, including Martinez, uh, absolutely loved the push to pass system. So uh, I think it proving that it works and we don't have any other major changes to the championship this year. So everyone knows what they're going into. And I think that's helped all the teams uh, uh, as well, particularly the new team, Santalok, uh, trying to get up to speed. Uh, great to have them with us as well. And and Emo, who's our youngest ever driver, you know, 16, only a month ago. Uh, so it's great to have him with us. It was good to see a lot of drivers there as well this weekend, Jim. We had um, Trident, uh, had along with them Roman Stanek uh, and, of course, Formula 2. Leo Fornaroli, who's the reigning rookie champion. Uh, Dino Beganovic was there as well, uh, just having a, a little look. He lives local to the circuit. Uh, and Nicholas Solov was there uh, actually coaching Ivan Dominiguez. Sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. but uh, And I think he finished on the podium uh, as well. So uh, he was there uh, pronounced... Uh, announcing uh he, he was there coaching him which was really good to speak to him actually and uh, i did speak to him about frecker and the jump he's made up into f3 and now he's seen how good some of the drivers are uh, the frecker graduates are doing he sort of even said to me uh, maybe that step that season in frecker might have been uh might have been a good shout but um but yeah they're all really looking forward to to the race in a couple of weeks time I made a joke of it in the intro, Daniele, that we had 60 qualifying sessions and 6 billion drivers. But for my dumb monkey brain, can you please explain the format of Italian F4? Because, my God, it just looked like playing the lottery a little bit to start with, with how the races and the qualifiers and everything work out. It was not simple. It wasn't. So to put it simply, the usual format is like, Pretty simple. We have two qualifying sessions and three races, which is kind of standard for Formula 4 racing. But it all starts by saying that every single racetrack has a limit of cars that can drive on a set racetrack at a, at a time. And for Imola, it's 36. And this weekend, we have 37 entries in F4. So what happens is the championship has created a new a new format from last season. They used it at the Rebel Ring for the first time in 2022, which basically is a mess. But to put it simply, we have we we split the drivers in two qualifying groups, much like Formula Regional, uh, to be honest. And we take the fastest uh, the fastest pole sitter from each uh, from the two groups, and he is in P1 in the provisional standings. And then just like Freca. The other, the other guys from that group go, go into P3, P5, P7, and so on. And the other group goes into the even uh, great numbers. 
from there though we we do something completely different which is divide that standings in three racing groups uh and so those three racing groups race against one another uh in three qualifying races so we have group a group b and group c and the first race it's group b against group c and then it's group a against group c and then group a against group b which basically means that we had three qualifying races and every driver races twice so all these races give normal points so everyone has the same chance of scoring points and then from there we make a basically a, a championship standings and from there the 36 drivers with the most points advance to the grand final so it means that this time around only one driver wouldn't race and that was Andrea Frosinetti from BVM but yeah it's very difficult to follow it was very difficult to actually understand for us in the first place in the media center just how the drivers were were doing and which drivers were in which groups so which it, it was pretty terrifying uh just trying to work things out but honestly it's a format that works when we have a lot of drivers uh over the limit but with only one more driver like i spoke to a couple of drivers and team principals and everyone was like we're just trying to not be the one who's eliminated because it's it's kind of bad to be the the only one who's missing from the grand final. But yeah, it was pretty complicated, but everything worked out pretty well. It's kind of like Italian F4's version of the Hunger Games, but way more kind complicated. Of, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Chris, I was, I was, what was I going to say? It's, 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 a, it's a format we use in karting, basically. That's, that's how it works. When you've got, Roman will tell you, when there's 100 drivers in a category and only 32 can make the final, that's how... That's exactly how it works, basically. Uh, so a lot of those guys would have been used to it, but I imagine for the teams, it would have been a bit scary. Oh, for the fans, yeah, it's just uh, it's yeah. just crazy. I couldn't. I really, yeah. I wanted to try and figure out what was going on, but I was like, there's so many races, there's so many qualifying, but that actually has helped me. One thing you might not know, but maybe you do, Daniel. When it goes to round two, is it the championship standings as a whole or these? Is it a sub-championship standings from the qualifying races for the final? So for the final, we only take the championship standings from the races we've done at that set racetrack, from the qualifying races. That's the only thing that matters from, for qualifying for the final race. Then those points get added on, of course, to the driver's championship and the team standings and the rookie standings. And then we get the, those championship standings. But for the qualifying races, like for the grand final, only the qualifying races actually matter to decide who goes on to race in the grand final. And that is why he is our Italian F4 editor, just getting the answer so well. It took well. me like a couple of months to actually <laughs> learn it by heart in Italian and then learn it in English afterwards. So it's kind of scary and it was very difficult to understand, but we somehow made it. Well, I now understand, which is amazing. So your months of work has helped me in five minutes. So thank you for that. But more seriously, between Super Formula Freca and even some re-watching of highlights from F3 and Formula E, that's right, I watched some Formula E, shock horror, everybody. I'll admit adding four extra races to my weekend wasn't all that viable for me. So I did see some Italian F4 in the background. Aside from the VARs hitting each other in the final laps and the starting grid having crashes, what else did I miss, Daniele? It was a, first of all, very nice weekend of racing. We had uh, a lot of, I mean, we had four different winners from the four races, which was pretty mental, but 
kind of expected uh, with so many drivers being very quick in preseason testing and so many teams, you know, deciding to go to email with so many cars. We had Prema with like seven cars. They they needed to have like two pit boxes because otherwise they wouldn't fit in one. So it was pretty mental on that side. But starting with Prema, they look strong, of course. I mean, when you when you talk about feeder series, you talk about Prema, first of all. They are kind of the the main force in the feeder series ladder. So they were really quick. Um they had of course Yugo Yugo Chaku, which is probably who is probably the, like the favorite to win the title so far. But of course, leaving the leaving Imola as the championship leader was Rebel Junior Arvid Limblad, which we had the chance to interview over the Christmas break uh, for feeder series. And he looked really strong. He took uh, second place in both his qualifying races and won the grand final pretty comf- comfortably too. Uh, he led from turn one, uh, starting from P2, and then pretty much was never in doubt uh, talking about winning the race. Uh, and he looked really strong. And someone who kind of struggled was, yeah. of course, the Formula 4 UAE champion, James Wharton, who was kind of struggling on pace. He made a mistake in quali and that kind of messed up his whole race weekend. But apart from that, VAR looked really good. I think uh, out of everyone, uh, Brando Badwer was probably the fastest driver uh, out, out of them all. Uh, he looked really strong, of course. Yeah, him and Dominguez took themselves out of the race in the final lap, <laughs> on the final lap of the grand final. So that was pretty, pretty mental to watch. I was, I actually didn't see it because I was on my way to the podium and then I heard the speaker talking about the crash and I, I was like great I mean I watched every single lap and nothing <laughs> happened and then in the one <laughs> final lap that I do not watch <laughs> do not get to see everything happens which is of course uh, in clear and perfect Formula 4 style but yeah uh, also the last thing I want to say is US racing looked pretty confident and pretty quick and of course Kachpet Stuka was like one of the quickest drivers he won the first qualifying race and then had a lot of reliability issues so he only scored in his first qualifying race but he took home the 25 points so i think he's gonna be another one to watch out for but yeah it's i mean if formula region is difficult to to kind of to kind of understand who the favorites are formula four is just impossible to, to say who who is who like the top three could be i think we have five to possibly even ten drivers who can potentially win the championship this season. So it's really exciting, but really difficult to predict. Pretty exciting for us. Now, obviously, Chris and Robin, you're also on site. Did either of you get a chance to watch the Italian F4? Chris, did you enjoy what you did get to see? I know you saw some of it. I, I watched some from the stands, yeah. Um, I saw some of it. The I mean, we were already uh, left the track because the, the grand final was on quite late, actually. So, um, uh I think that was a time where if Roman was probably there, I think the drivers were under park for me, but uh, anyone else was off catching flights. But I I did watch some of the heat races and uh, out of all of it, just grateful to see that uh, the two drivers involved in that incident on the mm. start finish line were okay, uh, Ugo and the other driver. But um, but yeah, no, all of it I watched was was really good actually. And the F4 cars really shift actually when you <laughs> when you watch them track side, they, they are quick. I, I don't know if Roman saw any, but that... When I saw it, it looked really good. And Ugo and Arvid stood out to me as the, the two real real kind of standout drivers and, and Lacourte as well, very quick. Roman, I saw you nodding a little bit there. How much did you get to see? Uh, I mean, we watch a, a bit on the TV in the truck. Um, mainly uh, mainly the reason I watch it is to see if they do anything um, 
like really special or stands out that I can do in the race. Um, apart from that, not really. I, like uh, Chris said, I left before the grand final was on. I was leaving as they were going out, so uh, I wasn't able to see that. But no, some pretty crazy racing. It's good to watch though because they're so close. That's enough questions from me because the Feeder Series podcast is for you, viewers and listeners. We're going to move on to the hashtag AskFS part of the podcast. If this is your first time watching or listening, you can get involved by using the hashtag AskFS on Twitter, joining our Discord and using the podcast questions channel, commenting on our YouTube videos, or by keeping an eye out for our Instagram posts and stories. The first question comes from another driver, Mr. Vesti. Well, um, for me, the question to the to the next driver who's on the podcast would be: During a quali lap, what is your focus? Where where's your thoughts, and and how do you make sure you get the maximum out of your lap? What a question! As only a Mercedes driver could ask, right? <laughs> I think so. Um, ah, so it's a really difficult question to answer because it's different for every track and every situation. Um, because you come obviously straight from free practice where you're looking at your driving improvements of, let's say, maybe a couple corners or maybe there's a few. And um, ideally, it's only um, a couple corners because you don't want to go into quality having to change everything. Uh, yeah, I, I do some deep breaths on the main straight to kind of, chill because I, I get quite nervous and things like this and um, it, this helps a lot and I give some keywords for the corners so instead of thinking oh, you need to break 10 meters later turn in a bit later and things like this it's I just try to say one thing that relates to everything mm. um, before that I think about and um, for me it's a new thing I've done for this year and it, it seems to work really well and um, yeah, but I think lots of drivers have different ways of coping with it. Um, I know some, I was speaking to one driver. Uh, no, not I wasn't speaking to this driver, but um, I was speaking to a driver who knew someone who was singing on the, <laughs> when they was driving. Um, and so I think lots of drivers have different ways of coping with things and um yeah, that's one of the more interesting ones I've heard. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I guess there's different ways. Some people sing in the showers. Some people sing in the cockpit. Just on your um, yeah. saying some <laughs> phrases to yourself before the corners without giving away your secrets. Is there an example that you can talk talk us through? Like if you go through Variante Alta, what's what's your what are you thinking? What's this phrase? I mean. <sighs> For Imola, I I can say um, for uh, Imola it was uh, more of a breaking of T two and the curbs because you have to be so accurate, and um, I kind of just you all have reference points where you break, and uh, you can work on these references. So if uh, depending on the wind direction or the grip of the tire, if it's a new tire, used, fresh, whatever. And um, just going into the corners, I'd just simply kind of say, act, be accurate. And uh, that could be 
be accurate on the braking, the turning, the apex, everything. But I would just already know myself. Um, and maybe it would make no sense to anyone else. But for me, I, I just know what that means. Um, or I'd just say something random. But I knew before that word means all of this. And so but that's how I do it. But yeah. Imagine the Trident engineers thinking, he's saying cucumber on the radio. What does yeah, yeah. this mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So funny. I love that. That's a brilliant yeah. answer. Of that's, um, yeah. I know you said before the podcast started recording, I hope we've got some sort of different questions. I'm guessing that is exactly one of those sort of different questions. So thank you, Fred Vesti, for that. Daniela, you've got the next question, if you'd be kind enough to ask. Next two questions, I think, actually is. Yeah, it's two. Um Underscore Sid13, I hope they pronounced it correctly. If not, apologies. He asks on Instagram, or they ask on Instagram, how much are you missing Tim this year? And they want to know your favorite UK snack and your favorite Polish snack. Um, I'll start off with Tim. Um, Tim and I have a really good relationship. Um, we were very good friends last year, but both uh me tim and leo as teammates were all very close um we were very good friends but we were also very competitive which i think worked very well um so no i think i i miss him uh i i do miss him um but um i guess we're both fighting for the same thing this year so it's a it's a bit different and uh yeah, I'd say for the snack questions, I don't know. It de it depends uh, if it's the cheat day or no, um, because I'm on quite a strict diet, I guess you could say. For the interest um, of the podcast, let's go for cheat day to see what the real yeah. snacks are. We don't yeah, want to hear carrot yeah. sticks here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so if I, if I'm going to McDonald's, not that I do, let's say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I... I would love to say have a quarter pounder with no cheese because I don't eat cheese. I, I absolutely hate cheese. And um, maybe nine chicken nuggets, barbecue sauce. That that for me is, uh, that's the way to go. When Oh, and a Maltese and McFlurry. Is so this for both my... UK and Polish stack here? Because I presume, I know you have variations of McDonald's between countries but i presume that's fairly standard a quarter pounder yeah it's 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 called different things in different countries like in um when I, i'm in italy a lot and i have to say can i have a cheeseburger with no cheese and <laughs> that's their version out there so uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, um, yeah it's a bit different but yeah that's pretty much for everywhere so it kind of answers both have a milkshake hold the milk please <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> they always look at me uh weirdly when i say it but yeah got to do what you got to do i guess oh, not a surprise what answer i love that um <clears throat> these two questions somewhat tied together so the first one is from is uh isa clopes 431 on instagram sorry for also terrible pronunciation who is your biggest inspiration? And we've got Sergeant by Discord. Who is your favorite driver of all time? Is he an inspiration to you or she? Um, it might not be the same answer, but potentially it is. And I want to ask this question to both you, Roman, and you first, 
Chris, who is your biggest inspiration and who is your favorite driver of all time? And are they an inspiration to you? Um, so what well, are we talking just drivers or it well the first question it? from Isaac Lopez. Um, one of these is gonna be correct. Who is your biggest inspiration? Doesn't specify a driver. So from your case, maybe the great Murray Walker, I don't know. Um I wanna I had kind of three people that really like stood out to me. Um, so uh, I'd hate to pick just one, but there, it wasn't Murray Walker. It was a guy called Ken Walker who commentated in karting. He was the Murray Walker of of karting commentary. He did every championship around the world in Europe, um, and I just used to love listening uh, to him. And I, I did eventually get to meet him, and and he really did help me out. Um, Will Buxton was another. I used to love watching GP two, uh, GP three when it started um and yeah and i guess uh, alex jakes is definitely uh, another because i continued watching watching those series when when he took over and i thought he did an amazing job so yeah i guess those three in terms of drivers uh when i started racing in 2007 there was one man who came onto the scene uh and uh and did very well since then and so he was always my <laughs> biggest inspiration I, I don't think i need to give a name um roman I don't know if Mr. Hamilton is your biggest inspiration or potentially his uh, championship rivals for some of these years, uh, Mr. Kubica, but biggest inspiration, favourite driver of all time and inspiration to you? It's so hard to say because um, I have so many for, let's say, to make a complete driver, you know? I think mm -hmm. lots of the drivers in Formula One now are very complete, but uh, some have some other qualities like Fernando Alonso, I think, is very incredible, like you said, Hamilton. Um, but also as an inspiration, Kubica, I think he's been what he's been through and how he coped with it, came back to Formula One and things like this is uh, really incredible and was competitive. Um, so, yeah, I, I can't say one driver. There's really a lot um, it, that are so good in so many different things. Robert Hamilton, so is what I'm getting from this. So amalgamate. All yeah, I guess we can <laughs> <laughs> we can take that if that makes it easier. Uh, Daniel, you've got another question. Yes, I do. And Motorsport Mad via Discord would like to know what do you like the most about the Freca car? Uh, I'd say the push the pass, to be honest. Um, that's a really cool feature that I, I've never had in a car before where you can just press a button and have a bit more power um, because the car's very difficult to drive. It's um, It feels quite heavy and so it's uh, quite difficult in the corners. So um, I'd say yeah, my favourite things like the accessories, like the uh, push the pass. Accessories, it's like you're adding stuff yeah. to, <laughs> to like exactly. earrings, nose rings, yeah. sunglasses, yeah. Yeah. push yeah. to pass, all the same. Uh, this one's from Vicky Velekai, I believe the pronunciation is. Again, Chris, I want to hear your answer to this because I imagine you have really good, uh, good answers right. to it. But also, Roman, this is for you. But Chris, first, what's the most awkward situation that has ever happened to you on a race day? Oh, it's a good question, oh though. I really oh, wow. like that, Vicky. Um, we had Alex Jakes on just to fill a bit of time, give these guys a chance to to speak about it. If you haven't listened to a podcast recently, when he's talking about 
Davide Valsecchi being in his underwear in the commentary booth, which I can imagine is quite an awkward <laughs> situation. I don't know if you've had that, Chris, the pleasure. <laughs> not quite. No. Not yet. Um, no, no, not, not quite. Uh, oh, that's a, yeah, that's a really good question. Okay, this isn't a race day, but it kind of is, right? I'm kind of known for this, like, um, known for not not knowing where things are going to happen sometimes. Like, I'm going on a stag do soon, and I didn't know it was where it was until I'd already paid for it. I, and I told everyone it was somewhere else. I told everyone it was Alicante, and then I got, and then I realized after I paid, it's in Benidorm. I had no idea. Uh, no, I had no idea where it was going there. But I'm kind of known for doing this. And I had a really awkward situation once where there was there was a charity, a John Surtees charity race, a kart race that happened every year. They did, but they did two of these: one at Buckmore Park, which Roman will probably know, a uh, kart track in the UK, and then they did one at like at Goodwood basically uh, I only knew about the one in Buckmore Park and I got invited to go down there or I wanted to go down there to do some business for Karting Magazine which I was running at the time uh, this was the one that was happening in the summer at Goodwood but I only knew about the one at Buckmore Park so I bought a new blazer and shirt and everything like this I obviously can't drive so I had to get the train down there and uh, got this got a taxi over this woman picked me up and i was telling her all about that i'm going to this charity cart race i'm going to go meet all these drivers there was a lot of big name drivers there and yeah it's going to be great and then i turned up to the cart track and there was absolutely no one there i was like what's going on like where's all the carts and everything and i saw these two two guys like putting up banners and um i came over to them in like shoes blazers and I said, it didn't look like I wanted to go karting, let's say that. And I said, when are the charity, when's the charity race starting? And they said, oh, mate, you're on the wrong side of London. Like, that's over at Goodwood. I was like, uh, oh, yeah, of course it is. Like that. And just pretended like like I knew, basically. I was like, ah, oh, but how things going down here? And I tried to have a conversation with them. And they're like, just, they were just no. laughing. They're like, mate, just get out of here. And I was like, all right, yeah, see you later. And I called the taxi firm back up and they all just started bursting out laughing. <laughs> The woman walked back in the office and was like, is that the guy that I just dropped off? Like, yeah, he's gone to the wrong place. I was like, oh. And she picked me back up. She was like, you idiot. Like, that. I was like, I've never even met her. <laughs> I got home. My dad said, how'd it go then? Did you do much business? I was like, didn't actually go. So, yeah, that's something that's happened to me no. quite, a, quite a few times. It was a race day, just not for you then. No, yeah. no. Well, it, it, I just went to the wrong place, basically. So it's happened to me plenty of time. Can I um, add an awkward story? Please do. That I, I've just thought of, but it's quite... Uh, it's more awkward for my dad, I have to be honest. Uh, maybe you don't know, but my dad's <laughs> quite a good character one of a track. Yeah, he is. Um, yeah. So we was at uh, Donington Park for the British F3 race, and... Me and my teammate at the time, Frederick Lubin, uh, were like mm. best friends and we thought it'd be funny to uh, clamp his car in the car park. And um, he, my dad's very protective of his cars and things like this. And he'll, he'll just walk really just to go look at it, make sure it's okay and things like this. And um, in the morning, he saw the clamp was on his, uh, on his car and he went up to the offices at uh, Donington Park and went to the manager of the track and was absolutely going off at the manager and saying that all the stuff that he was going to do and was absolutely going crazy at everyone and 
everyone and anyone could have been like attacked and um <laughs> yeah it, it, and then afterwards uh we was coming he then walked past Arden uh the team I was with and Gary Ward the team manager um yes. we told him about it and my dad said right Gary Ward who's done this to my car how dare they I'm gonna find them and it's not gonna be good and he was like well I'm not saying names but you don't have to look too far <laughs> And um, there's me and Frederick coming out of our motorhome from one side of the paddock. And I'm really not joking. To the other side, we hear a scream. And it's like, boys, do you know what a life, um, oh, what do you say? A life expectancy is or something like this. <laughs> and from all the teams, everyone heard it. And um, we, we then got there. And uh, we admitted it was us, but he had to then go apologize to the track oh manager and everyone. <laughs> and to everyone he went to, um, yeah, it was pretty funny. Uh, we did the same with his motorhome. We um, unplugged the electricity and uh, he went mad at the motorhome company. And then the motorhome company went mad at another company um, because they thought they sabotaged his motorhome. <laughs> it was just me and Frederick that pulled the electrics out. So uh yeah, it was not good, but yeah, it was uh a bit awkward for him, shall we say. Not I don't so think it was awkward us. for you, but that was a really, really good story. Joy then on Instagram asks, What is your favorite livery? Uh out of Record, There's no specification, one. which means you have free reign to say anything. Okay, from Freca, I'm. I maybe it sounds biased, but really, I think the Trident livery is incredible. <sighs> I, of I, course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but no, really, I think it looks very good. But the there's another car in Freca. Actually, they have them in F2 as well. Um, Oh, what team? That has the AIX livery. Oh, the bronze Verse, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that looks really cool. The bronze livery. Yeah, uh, he actually he actually said to me some out. of the team. He said some of the some 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 people didn't like it, but I thought I thought it looks mega actually. It um, looks really cool. I thought. To kind of go behind the scenes a little bit, we actually have in a feeder series WhatsApp chat this very <laughs> conversation happening just beforehand and. It does seem a very Marmite sort of livery that I personally think it looks good. And I think it looks good on the PHMs in F2. But, and I heard you say on commentary as well, Chris, that it looks good. But then I've had a lot mm. of people saying, why have they got a brown livery? And I suspect, because I've seen photos on Instagram stories that look different from the broadcast. And I suspect it's one of these ones that probably looks even better in real life because it looks more like a bronze color than a brown color. Is that right? Yeah. And it changes it changes in the sun as well you know when you come when he comes down to at Raleigh in in the shade it it changes completely and, and it looks really really nice so and it helps me tell them which one's which in that team because they're only different so uh <laughs> so yeah uh, but i think it looks great and i think zagazetta's looks looks nice as well to be fair well where we go we've got a question from racing for a girl via instagram and emi.li via instagram 
also kind of tied together. So Roman, what do you want to achieve this year uh, is racing for a girl ass. And Emi asks, what is your main goal this season? I mean, I'm a racing driver, right? And this is my passion. So I, I want to win the championship. Um, but it's a lot easier said than done. And um, Trident is a second-year team, so um, we haven't got, say, all the knowledge of the big teams, Premier, ART, R-Race, and all of these that have been in this championship for so long. Um, but really, I I feel confident this year with the car, myself, and everything. So uh, when we get a weekend with not so much uh, bad luck, I guess we can get a realistic view of what we can achieve. But uh, until then, I really can't say because I haven't done a qualifying or a race yet. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure. But uh, no, I, I want to win, obviously. Uh, Coldplay, uh, McPin fan, uh, I should have pronounced it correctly, but I don't know. So apologies if I made any mistakes. Uh, he asks... What was your main takeaway from your time in British F3 slash GB3? Um, I guess kind of never give up in a way because I, I had a really difficult start to the season. I was actually in Formula 4 and um, it was really not going as it, need, as it should have done let's say. Um, and so I made the switch to British F3. And actually mentally, I was feeling, I, I don't want to say depressed, but I was I was finding it very difficult at that time because I gave so much. And then I uh, went into British F3 and it was an incredible second half of the season uh, with doing no testing, nothing, uh, never driving the car. So uh, yeah, kind of, never give up and there's always like a there'll be an opportunity and you just have to maximize it just a quick question and i know i always say this i want to get through them all and i end up asking more questions but I always get curious do you feel like you have just some cars that click because i'm thinking of arte leclerc who in f2 at the moment is looking like a driver that i didn't see in f3 for the last couple of years you find that when you went into Away, away from the British F4 car that you're like, now this is a car I can get behind and you start getting podiums. Yeah, for sure. The British F3 car suited me so well. It was just uh, very fast through the corners, um, naturally aspirated. So uh, you got all the power at once. It was just, it suited my driving a lot. And um, I'd say it's a bit more like the FIF3 car um in comparison and um then jumping to the frecker where it was a a lot heavier i had a turbo and things like this it didn't suit me so much but the thing is to be a great driver you need to drive everything right mm -hmm. so um i had to adapt to that then quite quickly and things like this so uh yeah but I, for sure some cars suit some drivers better Brilliant answer. Uh, last few questions. And so Stein, MS34 Supremacy by Discord. What is the biggest difference between driving a race car with a roof like the Ginetta compared to driving a car without a roof like a single seater? And Chris, did you drive tin tops as well at some point? I'm a... uh, I tested a Ginetta Junior once uh, and it was on the shootout day. 
Um, and I was there as a journalist. So when I got in and had a bit of a tash, the guy looked at me like, how old are you? And genuinely <laughs> asked me, genuinely asked me that. I was with Jody Fanning. Uh, I don't know if you know, know of him, but um, yeah. And he made me spin. <laughs> like he was like, go flat out. And then I saw 360 and he was just laughing his head off. So, <laughs> yes. So I tested one and, uh, and yeah, and a couple, a few single seaters as well. Well, Robert, your answer, the, the main difference. I, the first thing, the first difference I found when I went from a Ginetta to Bridge F4, uh, which I tested with Arden, I was so low down mm. and um, I felt so like the car is mine. I, I don't, it was a really weird feeling and I felt a lot more vibrations through just the whole car. And um, it was a really incredible feeling actually. And it just feels a lot more like you are part of the car. I think because you're in the middle, you're so low down, it's kind of around you and it's very difficult to say, but um, also you have a lot more downforce in general um, for most categories at least. And yeah, it's a lot more agile and things like this. So uh, these are the big differences I found for me. We've got... <laughs> We've got three questions now, which I think we can probably one answer. So one word answer, should I say. Now, Daniele, you've got the first one and the third one. Um, if you take us away. Of course. So Hernando Flonso wants to know from Discord, if Poland play against England in the World Cup, which team do you support? <laughs> I'm so, so <laughs> sorry, Roman. <laughs> I... <laughs> I can't say anything. You don't I like football. A... You don't like football. Yeah, I, I should have thought about that. Um, <laughs> yeah. I guess it, in one way, it's like a, a win-win either way. No? It's, uh, you take a win in each way. But um, no, to be honest, I I, I can't say one. Uh, it's, it's quite split. So, yeah. That is such a difficult question that I, I don't know how to answer. And yeah. Just decide at half time. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> decide at half time. Yeah. I feel you might have this a few times. So I'm going to let mm -hmm. you take my I don't like football answer that you were sorted for. Life. Yeah, I'll remember that one. I'll remember <laughs> that one. <laughs> now, this question is the most popular question we have, really. And it opens up a lot. But you've already said something earlier which makes me worry for your sake that. You don't want to alienate Polish people or British people, but or English people, mm -hmm. should we say. Ashley via Discord, what is your favorite type of cheese? I hate cheese. I, ca I can't stand it. No, really, I can't go near it. it even if it's uh, near me, I, I, I will be sick. I absolutely can't stand it. I respect the double down to really hammer home how much you hate it. But yeah, wow, yeah. you have lost all of the fans of the Feeder Series podcast for this moment. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, if you had to have one as a forfeit, which one would it be? Or would what, it just not wait, be any? What do you mean? Like, if they were like, oh, you. Yeah, you, you have to have just just one of them because you. I know you lost it. If, if you don't finish on the podium, you're going to have to have some cheese. What cheese? Yeah. Would yeah. I, I, but I don't even know what types of cheese. I, I, I don't <laughs> even want to think about it. it this flames. is a really horrible. 
I'll have a cheeseburger without the cheese. Thank you. Chris, <laughs> yeah, if we yeah, to yeah. ask you the same question, your favourite type of cheese? Yeah. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, yeah I don't actually know, to be fair. Um, I'll, I'll try a few different ones. I, when we're eating, I, I, I just take take whatever, really. Um, so, uh, But I honestly couldn't tell you which ones they were. So... <laughs> Yeah. Vacuum, just eating, <laughs> eating the cheese in front of you. I, I don't know, I, honestly. Danielle, yeah. did we ask you this last time? I can't remember if you were on the podcast. We I don't think you. so. I please I, take, please save us. I mean, I might be biased, but whatever comes from Italy, honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have so many good ones. Uh, I think a popular answer, if I recall correctly, is burrata. Mm-hmm. Very if, popular. If I remember correctly, which is like really good. But if I have to choose one outside of Italy, probably like camembert from France, mm-hmm. which is like really, really good. And you can basically nice. eat it with anything. I really like cheese, by the way. So I can I can yeah. kind of save everything right now <laughs> for like, I can yeah. take all the yeah. bars away big from, thing from Roman. <laughs> The amount of people who have had this cheese question, Roman, is higher than you'd imagine. So when you said before we started recording, I just would like some questions which aren't the same. I was like, well, I know this is not going to be the same yeah, as normal. Yeah. To really hammer that home, Danielle is going to ask you this next question. Yeah, and Sian Parfait 16 wants to know, who is the strongest in arm wrestling between you and your teammates, Owen and Nikhil? Oh, we've got to do this. We we actually <laughs> yeah. we will do this. Uh, look, I, I'm going to say me because I, I, I'm going to believe in myself, but I'm, I'm sure they're going to say themselves too. Um, look, who knows? Who knows? I'll tell you what, Paddock Live. Paddock Live next time, we'll do it. Yeah, okay, okay. Paddock Live, we can, we'll do it then. Um, yeah, let's see. I love this. Go to Spain for this one yeah. sole reason. Yeah. Finally, this is a question yeah, I'm going to yeah. ask all three of you, and I know Danielle has seen it already, but this is probably the best question I think we've actually had. I've had really good questions in Ask FS. Jedlin12 via Discord. <clears throat> Let's answer these. Roman, Danielle, Chris. Would you rather fight one kibitza-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized kibitzas? Have you had that question before, Roman? What? <laughs> what? Wait, you've got to say that again. Would you rather fight one kibitza-sized duck? So a duck that's the What's size that of kibitza. Mean? It's a duck the size, like okay. a normal duck the size of kibitza, or a hundred duck-sized kibitzas. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh. I don't even know what to say. Logically, just talk us through your thought process here. I'm just trying to imagine it. Good six foot duck. You've got to fight that. Or you turn around. Or there's a hundred screaming Robert Cubits. Exactly. But they're all duck sized. (laughs) Which one would you rather fight? It's a simple question. You must have had this all the time. Can they fly? Can they fly or no? I don't, I don't know um, this what, That makes a difference. It makes a difference. Uh, because, like, pigeons are scary. Like, pigeons are scary. And uh, <laughs> if, if they can fly, that's scary. Let's say yes to see if this makes any difference to your answer. Because oh, wow. you've got a massive duck here that's six foot that might fly. Or you've got a hundred duck-sized kibitzas who are kibitza, so they can't fly. I like how you're really thinking this through as well. Mm. 
This is like the toughest question I think I've ever been asked. <laughs> um, I'm trying to picture it though. I, I I'm just really trying to picture it. I, I think I'd, I'd maybe I'd take like I reckon I could take down the the big duck. Like. <laughs> Of all the phrases I did not expect to have on the podcast this year yeah. or ever. Yeah, I maybe should have said that a bit differently. Um, I, yeah, we're, I'll, I'll take the kibitza-sized duck. Well, I can't believe we've spent this long thinking of such a hypothetical question. I think, Daniele, I think it, I said you would be the next person to answer this brilliant question. For me, I think it's stupidly easy at 100% take the 100 duck size kubitzes I mean can you imagine like a 6 foot duck that flies <laughs> towards you like no thank you <laughs> I can't imagine that being like mm. something that I would like to take down so mm. no definitely the 100 duck size kubitzes for me and Chris you've had the longest time to think about this I mean it's, it's got to be the 100 duck size kubitzes right yeah. with commentary live streams like and j- j- I, j- to be honest more than anything I just want, want to see what that would look like and what that would sound like as well let so, them race yeah. and we'll uh, on it. you know I mean, and, <laughs> and, uh, I mean that would look terrifying so um I think just if there's a way to go down I think that would be yeah that'd be a hell of a way I mean I I just want to know what it would look like and sound like though more than anything because I, I think that would <laughs> that would be yeah that would be interesting. It'd be very interesting. Jed and 12, thank you so, so much. Now, Roman, can you just confirm oh. that this is a standard sort of questions you've been... And like I said before, you didn't want to have standard questions. Has these been the standard questions that you were worried about? Let, let's say they've been uh, different questions to what I've been asked before. Um, <laughs> but I quite like it. I quite like it. Uh, I have to be honest. So, yeah. Well, with that PR-friendly answer, that's all the time we have this week. Thank you to everybody for watching and listening to us inane rambling about the most ridiculous hypothetical question I can imagine. If you'd like to have your question asked on a future episode, use the hashtag AskFS on Twitter. Drop any questions below if you're watching on YouTube. Respond to our Instagram stories or posts or let us know what questions you have on your mind on our Discord. Look for the podcast questions channel. And if you are watching on YouTube, dropping a like on the video, leaving a comment, and subscribing to the channel all really helps us out. And why don't you just let us know in the comments, what would you rather fight? The ridiculous hundred duck-sized kibitzes or the kibitzer-sized duck? Cry off, I remember the question. Um, if you are listening, leaving a review on the podcast platform you're listening on is greatly appreciated. And finally, check out feederseries.net for more feeder series insight and follow feeder underscore series, FS Americas, and feeder series now on Twitter. You can find the links to all of those plus the Twitter accounts for myself and everyone else on the podcast in the YouTube description or podcast show notes. Until next time, we'll be fighting lots of tiny little kibitzers and we've been the feeder series podcast. Goodbye. Goodbye.